welcome to Business Talk Sister Gawk. I'm Becca. And I'm Ruthie. And today I am super excited to talk with you guys about our guest, Thea Dudley. This woman is someone who has been an incredible impact on my life in, in trying or thinking about starting a business. And um, just such an encouragement to so many people who may have very um, strong leadership personalities as females. This lady has um, such wisdom and she is just going to talk to us today a little bit about um, the business of credit. Uh, But Thea, thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, we are so excited. Can you please tell us what you do for a business? Well, um, so I have a company called Pocket Protectors, and I go into companies, usually it's in the construction industry, whether it's distributors or contractors, manufacturers, and I help them with their back office processes. And those encompass your credit and collections, you know, granting credit, collecting the money, having those customer success relationships, and then how the billing process and and all of those back office uh, items flow into that. It, it really ties into your cash flow. And if you don't have cash flow, you're not going to have a business very long. So it's, I think it's the best, most important part of the business to be in. Not everybody thinks credit is awesome, but um, they're wrong. <laughs> yeah. So you, at some point or another, stumbled upon credit being awesome. So how did you get started with that? What was your why for that? Uh, by accident. Nobody... No, nobody says, nobody wakes up one day and says, well, I, I want to be a credit manager. That sounds like a rock star move. <laughs> um, usually it happens by default. Somebody gets you to do a couple of collection calls or you're working with a customer through, through a billing issue or something of that nature. And then, you know, you end up getting, it's, it's like a, it's like a tar pit. You, you keep getting sucked in deeper and deeper until you're pretty soon you're running the place. So business credit is specifically like when businesses to businesses offer them financing or how does that work? That, that is true. So it, it's known as trade credit. So if let's say I am a roofing distributor and I'm selling roofing products and I have roofing contractors that come to me and they fill out a credit application and they say, I need, you know, $500,000 line of credit per month, or I need 50,000 or 5,000 or, you know, whatever the amount of that they're looking is, that's the company does, basically it's a short term loan in the form of product. And you decide who gets credit, who doesn't, um, how they pay you, what that, what that whole relationship looks like. So sales can work really hard to get customers in the door but your credit department can absolutely lose them for you if you don't have it staffed with people that you know have, can tap into a little bit of their inner salesperson and help keep that money flowing. Yeah. Okay. And then with what you're doing right now, so you stumbled upon it and then you started your own business with this. How did you do that? Well, that, that made it sound like uh, that happened overnight. It took <laughs> Thank you. (laughs) That was awesome. Um, It took 30 years for me to to just shy of just just a little bit over 30 years for me to get uh, to go out on my own. It wasn't, you know, when I started in the industry, it was in the late 80s. And um, construction or lumber, uh, that type of of, uh, environment 
was not very female friendly. It was a very male dominated industry, the building material and construction industry. And you rarely saw any women in a leadership role. And the ones that were in a leadership role, I didn't have access to because I was too far down the ladder. And a lot of them were, were not, they just didn't have the time to give you. And so I worked my way up through the corporate ladder and I stuck with it and I kept taking over more departments and um, got my first vice presidency about, it's a six, seven years ago and then um, moved to another company uh, that was quite a bit larger and took over vice presidency there and then decided, you know, at this point in my career, I'm not doing exactly what I love and I want to focus on where I get the most joy and where I really feel like I can, I can make a difference. And that's working with the companies individually on their back office and getting their people trained. So that was my, that was my whole, um, that was my career, my 30 years in, in five seconds or less. <laughs> you were so succinct. I'm like very impressed by that actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit about um, that journey a little bit more. Cause I know before when you, we had talked, you had mentioned like you wanted to be a journalist. And <laughs> I did. Now, now you're, I mean, you're writing for LBM uh, journal at, in the construction industry and stuff, but that was like so long in the making, like full circle. But what is that? I mean, it's part of what you do, but not everything, right? Well, so originally when I, when I was graduating high school, I got a scholarship to Brigham Young University and it was for journalism. I really wanted to go into journalism and, you know, unfortunately, you know, my family had some issues and I had to make some choices and I chose to stay at home and help my family. And I gave up going to college and I gave up the scholarship. And I kind of gave up the dream at that point. And fast forward, you know, 25 years, it ends up that uh, somebody saw me speak. It turns out he was the editor of Pro Sales Magazine. And he asked if he could do an article on me because credit people rarely get that, that front and center and they rarely do a lot of, of educational pieces at larger events that are, are not credit related. And the company that I worked for had, had, uh, had said, no, we, we, don't, we don't want you to do the interview. You know, we're, we're a privately held company. We don't want to do it. And so I, I pushed and pushed. I didn't take no for an answer. And I kept taking a run at it. And finally, they agreed to let me do the, the interview. And they got right down to just prior to the article being published. And they, the, the company I worked for pulled the plug on it. Their whole... Their whole reason was if you get popular and somebody sees this in a magazine, then they'll hire you, mm. which, you know, was crazy logic because that's just so ridiculous. If you're happy where you are, you're, that's not going to be your, your reason to leave. There's got to be something motivating you. Mm. Um, so I, I swallowed that bitter pill. It, it hurt. Um, I was frustrated. I was angry at my company. Um, but stuck with it and kept taking another run at it. And, uh, and they eventually published an article that I wrote. And then I suggested doing a credit advice column and they agreed. And I wrote there with them for probably about four years before moving the article before moving the column over to LBM journal. And, you know, so it's been there for the last year. But, you know, it was a long time becoming, you know, fulfilling a dream that I had, which 
you know, I used as an example to different people that I work with that, you know, you can have everything you want. It, you just might not have it all at once and it might not be in the time frame that you think. Yeah. So what did that um, credit journey look like for working in it from the beginning? Was it hard to do at first talking to people about their finances or did you kind of get like, did your personality play into it at all or can anyone do that? And how did that look? Um, well, anyone can, I think anybody's capable of doing it. Part of it is, do you want to, you have to like people, you have to want to have those conversations and people will tell you anything about themselves, anything. And I, and I mean, people would tell me about their sex lives before they would tell me about their finances. And I'm like, I don't want to know you like that. Please stop talking. I just want to know when you're going to pay me. I, you know, I, I don't care what's going on. And it's not that you want to be unkind. It's just, wow, this is so much not what I wanted to hear. But you, you have to be um, able to roll with things. You got to let stuff roll off of you. If you take everything somebody says to you personally, you're not going to make it in credit. Because people under pressure say really stupid things and usually hurtful things. Um, I had one guy that, and this was years ago, um, this was going back quite a ways, where you still had, everyone had landlines and you had caller ID. And, you know, of course I was calling the guy to get his bill paid and, and, you know, he wouldn't answer the phone, wouldn't do anything. And so all of a sudden I started getting calls at home and it was this guy, you know, this, the guy who owned this company. And he said, how do you like being called for money. I'm like, well, honey, I don't owe you any money. So I'm not sure what you're, what exactly you're trying to do here. And to change my phone number after that and make sure it was unpublished. But you know, the, the, the point is that there's all people do all kinds of crazy things when they're under pressure. You just have to kind of contextualize it and not, not be so caught up in what they say or do that you forget what your goal is. You know, it's like, look, I can put up with a lot of stuff, but when you're, when you're done being bent out of shape, can we talk about how we're going to get your, your credit straightened out? Because you're not going to get any more product or, or services out the door if you can't do that. Mm. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you have very thick skin and had to really <laughs> weather a lot of that. Um, All the stuff I've had said to me over the years. And that include that with being a woman in that industry. I got a lot of well, let me let me tell you, sweetheart. I don't think you understand our business. You know, you know. I don't think you understand construction. It's like, okay, let's play your game. Let's say I don't understand anything about construction, which my dad was a contractor, so that there's not really a lot of validity there. But let's pretend I don't know anything. Here's what I do know: your past due, and your broke little hiney is not going to get one more bit of materials out the door unless you can come to the table with something. And by the way, insulting me or ticking me off is not going to help you. <laughs> sounds like uh, sounds like something my mom would say to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, my, so my kids did not really appreciate my job growing up because I took a lot of FBI interrogation and interview classes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always trying to find a way to get better at my job. So you know, aside from just the, the technical side of knowing credit, where, look, here's how to read a credit report, here's how to do all those things. Aside from all of that, 
you're, you really want to build up your, what, what I refer to as soft skills. You really want to be able to communicate with people. You want to be able to, to tap into maybe some negotiating skills, um, have a sense of humor about it, and then know how to work somebody's personality to where it fits with yours and you create a connection. So I spent four days in Asheville with the, the, uh, interrogation, FBI interrogation and interview classes. And they were really cool. So it was me. So it's one building materials person, you know, the Asheville Police Department, a uh, couple FBI guys, couple of bank fraud, you know, a couple of U.S. Marshals. And during one of the breaks, one of them says to me, you can't get why everyone else is here. I really don't get you. <laughs> said, well, what did you tell him? I said, well, you know, it, we're, what we do isn't that far apart. I'm trying to figure out how to extract information from people who don't always want to give it so that I can figure out how to get them to work with me. I really don't want to sue people. I really don't want to cut them off. I know that my company needs to sell product or services to be able to, to you know, keep cash flow going. We're a for-profit corporation. So I'm just trying to figure out what angle can I use? What's another tool in my toolkit that I can, I can come up with? And so we ended up having a, a lot of fun, but it, you know, I, I started trying to use all these techniques on my kids and they were both like, oh my God, I hate your job. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So you have been doing a lot or you did, and I assume are still doing just given your personality and the way that you seem to be such a constant learner. Um, so what advice would you give to people as they are maybe looking to pursue something like this? Like what things can they be doing? So you talked about the FBI classes, but what else have you done to kind of prepare yourself for success? Oh, I took handwriting analysis. I took um, basic communication. I took a lot of sales training classes. I found those fascinating yeah. because the same tools that salesmen use to connect with a customer are the same tools that credit people can use. Hmm. You know, it's basically you're, you're creating a relationship and if somebody's comfortable with you, they'll talk to you. Um, you know, I've, I've had people when I said, hey, I need to see your financial statement for your business. And they'll come back and say, well, you know, we don't share those with anyone. Well, you know, you're asking for half a million dollars. So you're gonna have to show me a little something. You know, I think it's fair. And I'm not gonna tell anybody what's on there. I need you to trust me. And I'm willing to sign a confidentiality agreement to, to be able to look at those, but let's see what's on there. And, you know, that's, that's one way that, you know, you can help approach reading financials is another skill. If you can balance a checkbook, if, if you can balance your bank account, you can read a financial statement. Good job. So within that, I know like you had put together some things that I was just like, wow, we, we definitely want to get to these as advice for people just in general, regardless of the industry, um, being, being a, a woman in an industry that's male dominated, you had given us a lot of different things about like, know um, who you are is still a result of your decisions and not your environment and all these different ones. So could you give us more about that? What is your advice for uh, being a younger person looking to grow and learn, but also um, knowing that maybe might not be taken seriously in a certain industry or, or just in general, what adversity that's out there in difficulty of being a business owner. Tell us all about that. Well, there's a, there's a couple of things. And I noticed, cause I, I fell into that trap too, where when I was younger, I would be in a meeting and because someone was older, 
I immediately thought, oh God, they've got to be smarter than me. They've got to know more. I'm afraid to speak up. I'm going to sound stupid. And then you really start listening to some people in the room with you and you think, wow, they sounded really stupid and they're twice my age. So I don't think you can, you know, one thing I would say is I wish what I wish for people that were, that are younger than, well, pretty much everybody's younger than me now, but um, as you're, as you're kind of going through, as you're kind of going through is don't be so sure that what you have to say isn't valid. And, and you can challenge somebody and still be respectful, but you know, that's, that's one of the things I, I get upset with um, when you're dealing with a certain, we're going to call it, we're not going to, we're not going to call it age. We're going to call it a certain demographic. And I'm, I'm at a lot of conferences with, with uh, people of a certain demographic and you know, you, they won't listen or really give credit to somebody who's younger bringing something to the table. And it's like, I realize you might not have the same business life experience I do, but maybe because of that, you're going to bring something to the table that we're not going to see, that, that I'm not going to see because I'm sitting in a different seat on the bus. So, you know, I, I would say, gosh, speak up. Don't assume that others know more than you because they're older or have more business life experience. You may come up with a solution that nobody else saw, and it might be because of your your um, your newness to the situation. And then, you know, don't try to go toe to toe so much with everybody and, and have to try to prove yourself straight out of the gate. Yeah. And I think that was a, a biggie for me. Yeah. As in like I, you saw people as your competition rather than how you can work with them or how did like, what does toe to toe mean? Um, you know, that you're, you're always trying to, Hey, here's my idea. And yeah, I'm going to challenge you on everything you say, and I'm going to tell you you're wrong. And, you know, I, I think some key phrases, and I've, I've tried to emphasize this to different people that I work with, that it's, it's okay to have opposing viewpoints. You can always back out of a situation by saying, look, um, I think we're just going to agree to disagree. We see things a little bit different. You just seem really committed to your viewpoint. You know, you haven't given me anything to change my point of view, but maybe you don't have to rub that in so much. But but you're not going to get someone to just flat out. It's rare that someone's just going to say, hey, I'm wrong, especially if they're in a certain position. If you always give somebody a way to bow out gracefully, they'll recognize that. Um, most of the time, there, there's always going to be those ungracious people. But for the most part, you know, you give people that that way to to back out gracefully or realize that, hey, I'm never going to get this person to see this point of view. I made my point, and, and I'm going to let it go and go on. And, you know, you may, you're, whoever you're talking to or trying to convince of your point of view, they may say, you know what, I totally believe in what you're saying. I love what you brought to the table. We're still going to proceed with this path. And then, you know, at least you were heard. But when the door shuts, you've got to, you got to go ahead and, and go with whatever the company decision was. So, you know, that's where knowing when to pick your fights, knowing who you can go to battle with, who, who will allow that, who's going to hear you, and then trying to figure out how you pose it to somebody. That's where a lot, I think, of the communication styles come in. If you can find ways to, to push your thought processes through and to push your point of view through in a palatable form for somebody, they're more likely to, to accept it. Yeah, 
for sure. There's this old Indian proverb that says, once you cut off a person's nose, no, there's no point in giving them a rose to smell. So I think like what you're talking about with the whole, it's such an element of humility, you know, like of just really um, taking on that humble persona and, and having those thoughts and stuff, but, but sharing them in a way that's palatable for the people around you. Um, yeah, and we are so, this was so good. You have so much wisdom and we're excited to do, <laughs> to do more with you. Um, and now we're going to transition into our, our sister Gok portion because not only are you a treasure trove of, of, of all this knowledge and experience, but you're also hilarious. <laughs> amazing stories and it's so fun to hear them. So um, tell us a little bit about your first speaking engagement. Well... So I, you know, I thought I'm going to be so professional. I was, you know, had on a, a dress and I was, you know, just, just so in my high heels and I'm up on the stage and, and, you know, I used to get really, I still get nervous talking in front of crowds. Uh, I think that's natural, but you know, I'm up there and I'm at the podium and I thought, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good. You know, let me just take this mic and I'm going to walk out in front and I, walked out there and I was so intent at looking at the crowd and smiling and, and remembering what I was going to say that I walked right off the end of the stage <laughs> out of the room. So, you know, I'm laying there in a heap on the, you know, the conference room floor with half my butt hanging out, you know, cause this dress immediately comes up. So you're, you're in a, a room full of, you know, lumber material guys and you're, you're thinking, okay, I can either lay here and cry or, you know, I, so I picked myself up and, kind of, you know, pulled it back together and very shakily got back into my, my speech. And, you know, it was, it was totally humiliating. I could feel the tears. I wanted to, you know, alternatively throw up and cry. And I'm looking at this group of guys looking at me like, oh my God, she's a train wreck. And, you know, there was anything from looks from pity to amusement to, you know, just, it was awful. Oh. <laughs> so I, last year I spoke at a conference and, um, I recounted that story. You know, there was, I tied it into some other things and one guy in the back, cause I was hoping that, gosh, this was, you know, 25 years ago, maybe no one will remember it by now. And, you know, I hope all these guys are either dead or retired and <laughs> they won't have to face them again. And one of the guys looks at me, and goes, Hey, Thea, I remember that day. Good God. <laughs> I'm like, yes, we're all scarred. Okay, let it go, man. Let it go. So, um, you know, the, the cool thing is I'm able to joke about it and laugh about it. And, you know, at the time I was mortified and I thought every time someone meets me, that's all they're going to remember is there's that stupid woman that, that walked off the stage and showed her butt to everybody. <laughs> And, you know, what I realized is everybody makes mistakes and, you know, I am not, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to let that deter me. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was, it was humiliating, but now it's a great story in retrospect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, 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 and as every year, one more guy forgets because they're no longer in the industry. <laughs> so. They're getting older. They'll get dementia or something. <laughs> you know, that'll be the, yeah, that'll be the one clear moment they have. Thanks. <laughs> Well, oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for uh, being with us here. And I'm just going to encourage our listeners, if you guys see anything by Thea, um, by the LBM Journal, or any other things that she's doing, you should definitely keep following her because um, she has so much advice and we were not even able to scratch the surface of all of it. So um, thank you so much for being here again. We've really enjoyed having you. 
Oh, I love Becca. You know, I think the world of you, honey. You are awesome. And Lucy, you too. I just don't know you as well as Becca. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll see you next week.